Business at Buckets fam, we are live with another episode, episode 40, hitting the 4-0, the big 4-0. Well, before we talk sports this week, let's talk field supplements. As we have warm weathers here, that means less clothing and bathing suit days in the water. I know I'm heading to San Diego this weekend, so I can definitely relate. You got to get your summertime shine with Field Supplements Advanced Thermogenic and Feel Good Formula Showtime. Showtime contains the only two clinically tested and patented ingredients scientifically proven to enhance thermogenesis. Besides fat burning, Showtime also increases energy, boosts mood and provides a sense of euphoria, suppresses appetite, and enhances mental clarity, focus, and concentration. For optimal optimal results, stack with Counterattack. Get your guys exclusively at FueledSupplements.com. And don't forget to use promotion code BUCKETS for 15% off all products except whey protein. So there you guys go. If you're buying supplements, you're looking to look shredded and jacked this summer, even though it's the tail end of summer, make sure you check out FueledSupplements.com. Support local small business. I cannot wait. The NFL season is this fucking far away. Getting teased with a little bit of preseason here and there. If you're a fantasy football fan, don't get sold on hard knocks in preseason. Rule number one, uh, you can look at the Cowboys. There's lots of shiny toys there. You really can't get a bad pick on their offense, though. Uh, but with preseason, you'll get guys that will show up randomly. Don't fall for it all the time. It could be a smokescreen. Well, let's talk. Some of the NFL headlines, Mr. Alex Smith working as an NFL analyst for NFL Network, another ex-athlete headed into the analyst booth, uh, but he gets to go with NFL Network directly. It will be interesting to see him, and obviously with his brutal leg injury, it'll be great to see what he has to offer as an analyst. I'm interested to see the QB's brain picked a little bit on the NFL Network. The 49ers signed the once very promising HaHa Clinton Dix. Hey, that defense is nasty. If he could bring any value, uh, that team's even nastier. So I'm sure there wasn't. It's very high, uh, low risk, high reward for the Niners. So great signing by them. The Lions cut Quentin Dunbar. Uh, he's been around through a few different teams the past few years. You know, I, I don't know what, what more he has left. He ha- hasn't been signed since. Uh, but pretty big cut and uh, at least worthy of note. Rashad Bateman's having surgery for the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Big-time rookie from Minnesota. I know I was interested to see how he'd perform. I can't really say excited because I'm a Steelers fan. Uh, but, yeah, huge thing. Uh, if you're in fantasy, definitely keep that of note. And, honestly, I mean, when you see surgeries like this with rookies, they usually don't get much time in. You know, the Jalen Ragers, the John Rosses. So, yeah, I wouldn't expect too much production out of him this year. He was, you know, definitely hyped up, though, before the injury. My Steelers making moves. Joe Schobert traded to the Steelers from the Jacksonville Jaguars for a six-rounder. Supposedly, this is just Urban Meyer fucking up the team more. Not necessarily he wants his fingerprints involved. But hey, the Steelers get Joe Schobert, a fucking all, you know, a pro bowler, all-pro linebacker, speedy guy. They're going to give him the green dot right away for a six-rounder. I cannot complain about that. They've also negotiated room on Stefan Tuitt's contract. So now they have $20 million in cap space moving into this year. I would have highly expect a TJ Watt extension anytime soon, but they're still going to have plenty of salary cap available, which makes me intrigued to see if there's another trade uh, that they're looking at, or maybe, you know, once the season starts. 
Uh, hopefully on the offensive line. If not, maybe a corner. Stephon Gilmore. Wink, wink. I'm just kidding. Uh, Darius Geis suspended six games with his altercation. Uh, very promising guy on the Washington football team. You know, they're about to have a change of name and logo as well. Supposedly they're down to three options. Uh, but very good running back. It will be interesting to see, you know, how he gets implemented into their system and if, you know, if he does get another opportunity or if he is the next Kareem Hunt and goes somewhere else and, and dominates. Because I definitely am very hyped on this guy. This guy's a legit running back threat. And then um, Jason Peters signing with the Bears. Huge move for the Bears, especially now that um, they had lost their uh, first-round draft pick, Telvin, uh, not Telvin Coleman. Shit, what the hell is that guy's name? Let's Google it. I wanted the Steelers to draft this guy. I mean, this guy's the real deal. Bears rookie lineman injury. Let's see, what is his name? Tevin Jenkins. Uh, he's going to have back surgery. So, yeah, that, that that's not... <laughs> It's not good news if you're the Bears, so the Jason Peters move definitely makes sense, and maybe that was something that they were already aware of. Uh, Neville Gallimore out six to eight weeks for the Cowboys. Uh, Sooner grad, very big body in the middle that the Cowboys will be missing as he is an expected starter. Uh, so tough break for the Cowboys. Um, the Falcons are the first fully vaccinated team. Whatever your thoughts are on the vaccination, I'm not necessarily pro or against. I do not have it now. I'm in the prime of my life. If there's a reason that I have to have it, I will. If I was playing for a football team with all this shit, I would definitely get it. So bravo to the Falcons for for, for getting this done. Um, you know, that's big news. The first vaccinated team. We'll see if other teams follow suit. A lot of the 90 or above. Uh, the Panthers trade Greg Little to Miami for a seventh round pick. Um, another big move for Miami, being able to keep Tua Upright will be interesting to see how that works for a seventh rounder. Can't complain. The Eagles cut the very once promising and young carry on Johnson, a guy I loved coming out of Auburn. He looked like, you know, shades of Le'Veon Bell uh, now can't find a job. So if you can't get a job with the Eagles, uh, it's probably going to be hard for him to stay. He'll probably be a practice squad type guy. The Jaguars also cut Tim Tebow. I don't think a lot of people expected him to make the roster. I for sure didn't, but Hey, I mean, that that's a big move. Um, just a headline move. Fucking Tim Tebow's name's everywhere, but it's not going to work out at tight end. Devonta Smith back at practice for the Eagles. He says the, the knee feels good. He looked good in his cuts. That's huge. If he is healthy for Jalen hurts and team heading into week one. And then a few different, uh, well, it was kind of a touchy subject, but reports on Deshaun Watson seem to be hostile. And there's definitely skepticism on some of the reports. Um, there's also some issues with the Trevor Bauer one. The first thing is, is when there's a lot of different things happening, I've talked about this a few times. It does seem sketchy in the first place. Seems it can be like a money grab. Second thing, don't know until the story is fully told or don't judge a book by, you know, don't judge these guys by what your hypothetical thoughts are on, on the, the end result versus what's actually happening. Um, Deshaun Watson supposedly talking to the FBI Trevor Bauer, they talked about his court case, and if you listen to the specifics, it's like, okay, how in the hell is this happening, and why is Trevor Bauer not allowed to play? But, you know, these guys are getting paid millions of dollars. You know, they have plenty of money, but this happens at all levels of sports. It's just tough to see. Um, we'll be interesting to see how these turn out, but, yeah, I, I hope to see Deshaun Watson and Trevor Bauer, uh, respectively, in their own places. You know, they seem like genuine dudes. 
Um, to me, it, it seems very sketchy and like money grabs on these actions. But hey, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens and if Deshaun Watson even plays for the Texans in the first place. That's really it for headlines in the NFL. You know, we have preseason action. I'm not going to talk stats preseason. Who's looking great? We'll get into that with my NFL season predictions, which will be happening in two weeks. Two weeks, I will be releasing the NFL season predictions, and I can't wait. But in the meantime, let's talk UFC, all the MMA action coming at you, some announced fights that I'm really excited for. We have Tom Aspinall versus Sergey Pavlovich. That's going to be a great heavyweight fight. Uh, Dan Hooker is booked up against Nasra Hakparist. Not too familiar with him, but Dan Hooker coming off two losses, wanting to get back in the win column. I love watching Dan Hooker, so I'll be tuning in. Uh, it is announced that Zhang Weilei is going to be fighting Rose Namajunas, which is awesome. Uh, I would have rather seen Rose fight someone else, but the fight was good. It is what it is. Rose beats Weilei. At this point, it's like, you know, she's the fucking baddest of them all in this division. You know, I'm a definitely a pro-Rose fan. I think ever since I saw her on The Ultimate Fighter, I knew she was going to be a dominant champion one day. And we still haven't seen Joanna Young Jacek. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, but that's going to be a must-see rematch. Uh, Misha Serkinov is moving to the middleweight class to take on Chris Doc Jocko. Not an easy first bout in the middleweight. It'll be interesting to see how he does in this new weight class. And then there was rumored that Sean O'Malley is going to fight Frankie Edgar. I've seen reports that it's confirmed. Sean talked about it not being confirmed. Uh, he doesn't want to fight in New York. He wants to fight in Vegas on the December card. Um, Frankie Edgar is right there from New Jersey, so I would assume he wants to fight in New York. So that opponent might be you know, up off the table and they might be looking for new opponents. But if Sean O'Malley is fighting Frankie Edgar, that is a fucking awesome fight as first ranked opponent is Sean or Frankie is now ranked number eight in the bantamweight division and a true veteran that's beaten pretty much everybody in his weight classes. So interesting things happening. The, the Zhang, uh, the way way lay rosary match is probably the most noteworthy. Uh, excited to see the sugar show back in action as well. We have USC on UFC on ESPN 29 this weekend. It is a typical fight night, Apex, ESPN, ESPN Plus card, and will ha be happening at the mainstream times. Um, as next week's UFC fight night, that includes the Ultimate Fighter Championships, will not be or will be happening early. The main card starts at 3 p.m. So regular primetime card this weekend, next weekend, early UFC card. We'll start and kick it off with a badass fight, and I mean a badass fight. We have Alexander the Cannibal Pantoja, the 31-year-old fighter, rocking a 23-5 record with the number three next to his name, versus Brandon Rawdog Royval, the 29-year-old fighter with a 12-5 record and the number six next to his name. Pantoja himself is an Ultimate Fighter alum. You guys know I always got to bring that up. They're usually badass. They're durable. They win championships. He fights out of American Top Team, another badass gym, just straight killers in there, and has fought anyone who is anyone in this flyweight division. I mean fucking anyone. Uh, he's on a one-fight win streak. I'll pull him up right now. Pantoja. When I'd say anyone and anyone, I mean it. I mean... At 31 years old, he just beat Manel Cape, who's very athletic, very strong. He lost via unanimous decision to Asgar Askarov, who should be right there in a title fight. He beat Matt Schnell via KO on punches. Lost to Divison Figueredo via unanimous decision. 
beat Wilson Reyes. Beat, he's beaten Brandon Moreno via UD. I mean, this guy has fought fucking top names since he fought Brandon Moreno in 2018. So a, a true vet in the flyweight division and right in the middle of his prime. Um, Roy Vall has come from the LFA and has been great in the UFC since entering. Uh, he's defeated Tim Elliott and Kai Carr of France with submissions. And he now and he earned a fight against Brandon Moreno, which he lost via TKO. Petoya wins. He can get a title shot. If Roy Vall wins, he's going to move up the rankings and get another title shot here fairly quickly. But this is going to be a great fight. I do believe Alexander is the better on his feet, and the fight is going to stay there. But Pintoya is more experienced, and it's hard to pick against him as he's only lost to the, the probably the toughest people in the division, Askarov and Figgy, since 2018. So I'm going to take Pentoya. I'm going to put it in my parlay. Mark that shit down. Let's get that bread. Next up, we got Chase, the vanilla Gorilla Sherman, 31-year-old heavyweight with the 15-7 record versus Parker Porter, the 36-year-old fighter with an 11-6 record. Sherman himself has a three-inch reach advantage. I always talk about it if it's three inches or more because that definitely plays a part in the fighting. Uh, he's an orthodox fighter out of Jackson Week MMA. He has a purple belt in kickboxing and a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. While Chase himself has been in and out of the UFC the past few years, he was actually supposed to fight Porter before, uh, but got Andre, Ar Andre Arlovsky booked instead and lost that fight. So he's 1-1 one one since coming back into the UFC, winning his last fight, and 14 of his 15 professional fights are via knockout. Uh, 14 of his 15 wins, I should say. Porter himself is an orthodox fighter with a brown belt in BJJ. He's 1-1 one one in the UFC since coming from multiple different promotions. And I don't expect this to go all three rounds as both fighters are fighting for their UFC careers. I expect heavy hits. I expect someone to get knocked the fuck out. And I want to take the Vanilla Gorilla, the younger fighter who's been through a lot. He's a scrappier fighter. Parker Porter coming in at 36 years old. I just am not that confident in picking this. I'll put this in the parlay. Mark that shit down. Let's get that bread. And then the co-main, you know, this isn't a super deep card, ladies and gentlemen. These are the fights I talked about or I'm bringing up because they're noteworthy and actually going to be fun to watch. But not there was nothing on the prelims that really struck my eye, especially with J.J. Aldrich now losing an opponent. It's a lot of shit going on. But we got the man, the myth, the legend, Clay the Carpenter Guida, the 39-year-old veteran with a 36-17 and 17 record. Holy shit. Um, versus Mark the Olympian Madsen, the 36-year-old fighter with a 2-0 record. So I believe this is Guida's last fight on his contract. He said he's going to keep fighting until he doesn't enjoy it, but I would assume this would be it, and that's why he's matched up against a 2-0 fighter. He's an orthodox fighter out of Team Alpha Male. He's a legend in the, in the sport, and his nickname explains him. He just goes to work. He fucking grinds. He does what he has to do. It's never usually pretty, but he finds a way to get the job done. He actually won his last fight against a very good Michael Johnson after losing the two before that. Where Madsen himself is an Olympic Greco-Roman wrestler from Denmark. He's 2-0 in the UFC and gets the Guida send-off fight. But I'm going to take the Olympian. Why? Well, he's a little younger. He's closer to his prime. And Guida's taken a lot of fucking damage. And I consider this in fights when I'm picking them quite, quite heavily. You know, this shot me in the ass when I picked Connor over Dustin on the last fight, which... I'm not really that mad. You know, Dustin won. I, I'm super stoked for that. But um, he's almost 40. Like, he turns 40 in December. 
I expect Madsen to look to his wrestling and stay away from striking with Guida. I don't think he's going to want to keep it on the feet. So I do think this is going to be a boring top control fight. I'll be rooting for Guida the whole way, but I'm going to pick Madsen. I'm not going to put this in the parlay if I don't have to. But this is the fight that we all want to see. The main event, we got Jared, the Killer Gorilla Cannoneer, 37-year-old fighter with a 13-4 and record. Versus, uh, he also has the number three next to his name. Versus Kelvin Gastelum, 29 years old, 17-7 and seven record, and he is ranked nine in the division. Now, Cannoneer has a six-inch six reach advantage. He's an orthodox fighter at, training out of the MMA lab. He lost his last fight to Robert Whitaker, but you know Bobby Knuckles don't play games. Uh, Castellum's a southpaw fighter. He has a black belt in BJJ. He's one of the ultimate fighter alum OGs, and he has just lost to Whitaker as well. It's wild to think for everything Gastelum's done, he is only 29 years old. He's barely entering his fighting prime. This is going to be fight of the night for sure, and there is a re- you know this is a there's a big reason why this is a headlining uh, main event. But I do believe the Killer Gorilla has enough fire in his fists at this division to get the job done. But Kelvin's going to push him to his deepest limits. That's what Kelvin does. He grinds on you. He wears on you like he did in the Izzy fight he almost pulled off. I'm super interested to see how this plays out. I've been back and forth on my picks, but I'm going to give the edge to Jared, even though I've been back and forth. If Kelvin can get it to the ground, grind him out, tire him out, and not keep it on his feet, he definitely has a chance. Um... But what an awesome story Jared is, you know, coming from the heavyweight division and kind of living off the grid. He doesn't really believe in uh, social media, going online and checking shit out. He kind of just lives in his own world. Uh, Really like the guy. He trains with some guys that I know, but what a badass. I'm going to take him. It's fucking close though. Kelvin's only getting better. He's fought stiff competition, but I think the killer gorilla is just in in the zone right now and ready to take that uh, opportunity to fight for the title. And Kelvin Gastelum, he is what he is. I don't know how much better he can get, but he's only in his fighting prime, so he could easily win this fight. This is a very, very close pick, uh, fight to pick, but I am going to take Kill the Gorilla. I'm putting it on the parlay. Mark that shit down. He is the Vegas favorite. Um, so, Gaslam, you know, not a terrible pick. I might just fucking make a bet where I pick uh, Gaslam as the underdog because that shit could pay out. Let's see how, let's see what the odds are here. Because I think it's not super close on the odds. Fucking UFC website. Such piece of shit. Can't even click on anything. Come on. Yes, accept cookies. I hate that you have to do that shit on everything. All right. I don't have it on here. Let me use my betting website. Give me one second here. I should just do a betting show. If this was full-time, if I didn't have a real job and this was my job, I'd have a betting show. I'd have a fantasy show. Fucking spit this shit out for you guys. So on my site, Gaslam's a plus 134. That's not bad. That is not bad. If I put 100 bucks on him, you could win a nice 134. A little more than double your money. Hey, it's a bet worth taking. Anyways, excited for this fight. Definitely tuning in for that shit. Next up is the fight night card headlined by Barboza and Chikadze. But don't forget, we have the ultimate fighter champions in there. That's going to be a lot of fun. Now, I just watched the new ultimate fighter last night. 
Got to watch Treshawn Gore whoop the shit out of Volkanovski's uh, uh, fighter uh, to earn his way into the championship. He's just clearly the more powerful athletic striker. So now we have Treshawn Gore uh, versus a long-haired guy. I forget his name. Then in the bantamweights, we got Brady Heastead, the young kid from Spokane, versus Ricky something. I call him Tricky Ricky. He's just a little crazy. That fight's going to be a lot of fun. The other fight, I think, is going to be a, a, a kind of a blowout. I think Treshawn wins pretty easily. But excited to see these guys' Ultimate Fighter Championships uh, earn their contracts. It's always a fun event, so definitely worth tuning in. But don't forget, next Saturday's card is early. It's not an evening card. Well, in other news, we, we still got some NBA news. Shit's still going on in the NBA world. And this man is still playing. We got Udonis Haslam signing with <laughs> the Miami Heat for another year for his 19th season. If anything, this guy really doesn't see the hardwood no matter what situations, blowouts, whatever is going on. It's more of like, hey, we'll sign you for a year, get you a minimum, and you're kind of a coach, right? It's like the Jawan Howard treatment before he became a coach, and look how good of a coach he is now. I have no idea if Udonis actually wants to be a coach or if he's just, you know, rolling with the heat like he does. Uh, but the man's playing for his 19th season in the NBA. And then a little bit surprising news. Kawhi Leonard, who is going to have, you know, major knee surgery or probably already did, uh, doesn't sign a one-year with the Clippers, signs a four-year. So it looks like he's bought into the Clippers Man, if he can make a, a strong appearance uh, towards the second half of the season, you know they're going to definitely be a contender. I really like the the Clippers team, uh, but huge news for them locking down the claw for four years. Jalen Green and um, Suggs' summer league cut short due to injuries. Suggs hurt his hand. Uh, Jalen Green hamstring issues, but they showed up. They balled out. Uh, the Clippers trade Pat Beverly and Rondo and another guy named Toro for Eric Bledsoe. But then they, um, the Pelicans trade Pat Bev to Minnesota for Jarrett Culver and Juancho, Her or Juancho Hernandez. So Pat Bev on the move a couple times. The Clippers get Bledsoe. Um, and then the Pelicans get a couple people in return for Pat Bev. Josh Hart, my guy, Villanova grad. Three-year deal to stay with the Pelicans. I love that move. Pretty team-friendly deal. Marcus Smart getting a four-year extension. Again, great move for the Celtics. I like having him on the team. He's a good culture fit. Um, Joel Embiid, couple headlines. Doesn't get off-season knee surgery, which makes me wonder the severity of the injury in the first place. Like I said, if it was as severe as I would assume with a torn MCL, slightly torn whatever, I was like, damn, this guy's really toughening out. But if it really wasn't that bad, he doesn't need off-season surgery, you know, maybe it's not that big of a deal. I'm not a doctor. I'm not too sure. But it seems like it was overplayed. Um, he also gets a four-year Supermax extension for $196 million. Without the injury, he probably would have been MVP. Damn close, if anything. Uh, so, yeah, not surprised he got a Supermax. A couple things I've noticed in Summer League. So I'm not going to talk about a lot from Summer League. It's just kind of what it is. But how good of a fit would Jalen Suggs been to the Raptors versus Scotty Barnes? I, I remember seeing a mock draft of them getting Suggs. I was surprised I passed up on him. But Jesus, with Kyle Lowry departing, I feel like that would be such a good fit. Good playmaking, good aggressiveness, just good character and energy. 
You know, I, I'm not mad about Scotty Barnes, but he's not a shooter. You know, he does a lot of things well, but I feel like that team needs a shooter. Uh, just me as like a matchmaker, uh, I just can't believe they passed up on Suggs and now he has to suffer in Orlando uh, because Orlando is just far away from competing. And I also would love to see Bull Bull get some goddamn minutes. Big tall seven footer. What's he? What's he got to do? He's dribbling well. He shows you his moves. He's jumping. He's playing defense. He's getting blocks. How can this man not crack the rotation? You know the Nuggets are deep, but you got to give this guy a shot. I'm interested to see if he gets any minutes. Um, they got a free bull ball. If not, get him off the goddamn team. This guy is awesome. I mean, how old is he now? He's not very old. The young man's 21. He's seven two with a seven eight wingspan. Free ball ball. Let him let him get some time in, man. Um, other news in the NBA. They had announced the Christmas schedule. We got Nets at Lakers, the championship game that you know the media wanted. They're going to put it on Christmas, and everyone's going to be tuning in. We got Hawks and Knicks in the playoff rematch. That'll be a fun one. Celtics Bucks, fun Easter Conference battle. Warriors Sun CP3 Steph Curry. And then Mavericks versus my Utah Jazz. Getting Luka Doncic, Donovan Mitchell. I love how Utah fans I've been seeing on Twitter just attacking everyone for bitching about the Jazz being on Christmas. They were on Christmas not that long ago. The ratings were great. The game was great. What's everyone's beef with the fucking Utah Jazz? Because it's not an LA team or a New York team, they're not good enough? These This team's a real fucking contender, and I can't wait to do uh, preseason basketball predictions because this team is a true contender in the West adding Rudy Gay, Hassan Whiteside, and Eric Pascal. And they're going to whoop the shit out on the Mavs at home for Christmas, and y'all going to get some shit. Uh, but yeah, it was fun to see. I'm excited for this. The Utah Jazz, more than deserving of a Christmas Day game. And if you got beef with that, come at me, at Podcast Buckets on Twitter. Message me, you know, tweet at me, DM me, fucking YouTube comments, whatever you got, because... The Utah Jazz are coming at you. But that's it for the NBA. Just had, to, just had to throw that out there. We're going to talk baseball as we get closer to playoff action. I'm going to San Diego this weekend. Coworker lives there. Another coworker's meeting me there. We're going to catch Padres Phillies on Saturday. Catch a little action. See a little Tatis in right field. Hopefully catch some dingers. We got the ace matchup. Joe Musgrove versus Aaron Nola. Can't fucking wait for that. Scored a Saturday game with the Aces pitching. And I'm in San Diego, so can't complain. Elsewhere around the league, Mookie bets to the IL. Surprise, surprise. I mean, this guy can't stay healthy. As I've said, he's not a true franchise cornerstone build your team around player. He's an amazing talent, an amazing player, but he's not on the levels of the Mike Trouts and you know so on and so forth. Fernando Tatis, again, like I said, he's back. He's not playing shortstop. He's playing right field. With that shoulder issue, he gets less wear and tear on his body playing in right field. And he's been smashing dinger, so it must be working. Uh, Brandon Crawford with the big extension to sign with the Giants. He's quietly having one of the best seasons of his career. I added him on fantasy because he kept balling out, and I'm glad I did. Uh, But huge extension for the Giants. Corey Kluber is doing rehab starts. He's going to be coming back to the Yankees sooner than later, which I think a lot of people forget. That'll be a huge piece for them in the rotation as they're pushing up against the Red Sox and potentially still in that wild card from them. Speaking of Red Sox, Chris Sell back on Saturday. Great performance coming back from the IL after being out so long. 
it's a scary thing if you are against the Red Sox or you're another team in that division. The Padres signed Jake Arrieta. Looking to make moves as they've had some pitching issues and New Darvish heads to the IL. We'll see if it works out. Because Cole Hamels definitely didn't work out for the Dodgers. He's already out for the year after being on the team for like six days or something crazy. So, you know, if you're a Dodgers fan, fuck you. No, I'm just kidding. But if you're a Dodgers fan, bummer news for you there. And how about Tyler Gilbert, the rookie for the Diamondbacks, with a no-hitter last week against the Padres. Crazy shit. Bravo, Mr. Gilbert, especially on your Diamondbacks team against a very good offensive lineup such as the Padres. We'll see how this this young kid does. And, you know, if you pitch a no-hitter, it's usually not a coincidence. I'm sure we'll see his name more, more down the road in the next few years. Quickly, I have to give a little shout-out to my guy Otani because the way he's lasting this full season, that was the biggest concern. He's healthy. He's hitting every day, day before pitching, during pitching, after pitching. You know, people forget last year he wouldn't hit the day before he pitched, the day he pitched, or the day after. He's doing all of that, and he's continually pitching at a high level. He has a two ERA since like All Star break, and a lot of this has to do with him not throwing a splitter because the crazy, I don't know, friction of the splitter when he's throwing his fastball and split all the time. He's getting blisters. It was causing issues, and I hardly ever see him throwing the splitter anymore. He's doing more with his slider and his curve. So he has enough arson pitches in his arsenal to make up the difference. It's helping him last longer. But all I could think of is how awesome would it be to see Shohei Otani in the playoffs giving everything 100%. Right, A one-game wild card, he's the ace, throwing 100 mile an hour gas, throwing that splitter. Holy shit, I think it would be an, unlocked, an unleashing of the beast, and we haven't completely seen that yet. So bravo for Otani for making those adjustments. Good thing he has the talent and ability to do so. But ladies and gentlemen, we've never seen this done. You know, hats off, bravo to the the great Bambino. But this young man is doing things that will never be done before. Or has never been done before and potentially will never, ever be done again. He's good at everything. He's fast. He hits for power. He pitches for speed. He has a bajillion pitches with crazy movement. Like, what the fuck can the guy not do besides... You know, in Stephen A's world, speak English, which is totally okay. He's a fucking certified rock star. Outside of that little standings update, the Rays are still four games up on the Red Sox and now five games ahead of the Yankees. Yankees right there. The Astros are two and a half games up on the A's for the AL West. The Braves now taking the lead in the NL East without Acuna Jr., the Phillies are a game and a half back, and the Mets sliding out three and a half back. Told you we'd be talking about that NL East all week. I was kind of surprised because the Braves haven't been up there, and you would think with the Cunha Jr., they probably wouldn't have a chance. They traded for Duvall. They traded for, Jor- um, for Jorge Soler. And it's like, why are they doing this? Well, they're back up on top. And I looked at my preseason predictions. This guy had him win in the division, so maybe it's not that much of a surprise. The Giants are up four on the Dodgers still, which is the crazier the further we get and the longer the, the more games they take a lead. The Yankees are now one game out of the wild card behind the Red Sox. The Blue Jays four out and the Mariners five out. And the NL side, the Reds are only a game and a half back. The Cardinals four back. They're still relevant. And the Phillies four and a half back. Interesting things coming up on the divisions and things are definitely going to be fun to play out and see how things play out the next few weeks. Uh, but I wanted to take a deep dive into the Braves. I haven't given them much credit. They're on top of the division. 
wanted to take a further look to see what's going on, right? I look at the statistics every game. You see some things, see some highlights, but you never put the full picture together. Well, first off, they're leading the very competitive NL East and have a very favorable schedule the rest of the way. Their pitching has really held down the fort, though, since they lost to Cooney Jr. for the season. And this is their rotation, their statistics. They got Max Freed. The man's 10-7 and with the 3.78 ERA. He has 113 Ks and a 1.29 whip. The second year, uh, young gun, young arm, Ian Anderson is coming off the IL. He's been on the IL. Is 5-5 five five with a 3.56 ERA and a whopping 139 Ks and 1.25 whip. Charlie Morton is 11-4 with a 3.49 ERA, 155 Ks, and a 1.11 whip. Then there's Drew Smiley. This guy's always everywhere. He's 8-3, though, even though he has a 4.5 ERA. And then Huascar Yanua, who's 4-2 with a 3.02 ERA and 105 whip. Pretty great stats for a rotation from top to bottom. Their bullpen has been super solid as well. They added Richard Rodriguez at the deadline, who had 14 saves and a 2-2-8 ERA on a very terrible Pirates team. Last year's closer, Luke Jackson's in the uh, bullpen. He has a 2-2-2.20 ERA. They have the veteran A.J. Minter. He has a 4-4-6. And then the closer, Will Smith, has 25 saves with a 3.7 ERA and a 1.15 whip. Well, in their lineup, it's just a real nice mix of vets and youth. They have Travis DeArnaud at catcher, uh, former MVP Freddie Freeman at first. He's hitting 294, which in this year is very high. 26 homers, 68 ribbies. You got the young Ozzy Albies, who I feel is like really picked up the slack of Acuna since he's been gone. He's hitting 263 with 22 homers and 83 RBIs. Austin Riley's definitely on a big year. He's hitting an impressive 292 with 25 homers and 72 RBIs. Dansby Swanson, whom I thought was always overrated, actually is improving. 265 average, 24 homers, 72 RBIs. And then you got the newly acquired Adam Duvall, who has 27 homers and 81 RBIs. Power hitter. They have Jock uh, Peterson added. And the hot-hitting Jorge Soler, who has been great since uh, been the addition to the Braves. He was ebbs and flows in Kansas City, but he's been hot with Atlanta. That's really the core of the group. I mean, their lineup is pretty. There's not a lot of weaknesses in there. They have some depth. They have some plug and play players. And with Ian Anderson coming back, their rotation's pretty nasty. Um, the schedule, their only divisional games they have left are six games at the end of the season. They play three against the Phillies and three against the Mets. The rest of their schedule is pretty weak. I'm going to pull it up right now. They got they got three against the Orioles, a couple against New York. They got Giants. So basically, the rest of their tough schedule is the end of August. You got two at the uh, Yankees, three, and these are all home, three at the uh, Giants, three at L.A. against the Dodgers, and they have Rockies, Nationals, Miami, Colorado, Arizona, Padres. So... Yeah, I mean, a couple good series, but overall, a pretty pretty feasible schedule. You put Ian Anderson back in there. Eddie Rosario comes back off the 10-day. You got a deep team. You got Steven Vogt on the bench for um, catching. 
You got Jock Peterson that you could put in with uh, Guillermo Heredia, who plays a little bit of everywhere. This is a fun team, and they're they're definitely doing well. They are in their last ten, eight and two, with a plus eighty four differential. Damn, can't complain about that. A lot of fun to watch. But let's talk about what's upcoming. What do we got going on? Well, last weekend, the series that we highlighted, the Astros beat the Angels, no surprise, 2-1. to one. At least they avoided the sweep. The Reds beat the Phillies 2-1. to one. The Reds just keep, keep clawing along. The Dodgers sweep the Mets and blow them out on Sunday night baseball. It was like 14-2. to two. And then the Mariners beat the Blue Jays 2-1. to one. I went to two games this weekend. was a blast, and I, I saw the Blue Jays lose those two. How are you losing to the Mariners with the playoffs in line? This, this team's too young. They're inexperienced. They're not ready. But what do we got going on this weekend? Actually, let me talk about that one second. The Blue Jays go in and acquire a certified closer, Brad Hand. He comes in. There's bases. Yeah, bases loaded. So they bring Brad Hand in. Okay, let's close him out. There's two outs. Let's get the hell out of here and go into extra innings. The man comes in and throws four balls for a walk, a walk-off walk. I could not believe that. If the Angels brought in Raziel Iglesias and he did that, I'd shit my pants. I'd lose my shit. I was just mind-blown. I'm not a fan of either team. But I was like, how do you come in as a stud closer and throw four fucking balls? I'd be sick if I was in the management in that in that dugout. But uh, more importantly, you gave a lot up to get that guy, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, that shit was wild. I mean... For me, I always feel like there's a barrier from NL pitching to AL. AL is just harder. Usually the stat- statistics of the studs coming from AL, NL to AL just don't work out. And if you're a stud in the AL, you go to the NL, you're usually a boss. So, you know, what do I know? Uh, but this weekend, we have some fun series. We have a huge AL clash. We have the White Sox versus the Rays, two division leaders. We have Mariners versus Astros as Astros look to potentially eliminate the hopes of the Mariners for the playoffs. Uh, we have the Battle of the Bay. We have the Giants versus the A's. Little ALNL action. We have Mets versus Dodgers again. See if the Mets can stay alive. Their manager just called them out for not being able to hit. And then we have Phillies versus Padres. Like I said, I'll be there for the A showdown on Saturday. And I can't fucking wait. That's episode 40. Again, I'm streaming everywhere. You can listen to podcasts, video on YouTube. Uh, do weekly sports podcasts, talking about the weekend of sports, doing some deep dives. In the summer months like this, like I doubt everyone wants to hear me just deep dive into baseball. It's a, the most prevalent sport right now. But once football season comes up, talk a shit ton of college football, really dive into NFL, and I could really give some in-depth analysis there. But we got lots of sports, plus we have monthly business episodes. The last episode, CEO of Solterra, Amy Carpenter, amazing episode if you haven't checked that out and this week my best friend home builder owner of hammer strength construction dakota jarless will be going on and i will be releasing that next week so dakota will be coming out next week uh we got my nfl season predictions in two weeks and don't forget the sponsor fueled supplements for keeping 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 me alive out here uh check them out fueledsupplements.com anything you need they got your protein or pre-workout thermogenic boosters whatever the fuck you need field supplements has got you see you guys next week episode 41